walk out into onto a big league field for the first time in that first year what was that experience like yeah crazy so fun and like really surreal like i i place they put you up in in minnesota is like you look out your window you can see the stadium it's like really close you can see into the stadium so i just constantly be like like whoa i'm gonna be out there so i'm in the record books for that even though it's a very obscure one and you won't find it anywhere but I know. So if I were that age right now, 100% would be a YouTuber. Thousand percent. Which one do you think you're better at? Fortnite or baseball? Dude. So I bought a laptop at Best Buy and then started streaming. I met Tim the Tatman, who was very similar to me in, in, in personality and, and humor and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're the same age. Going to Oakland, I wanted to stay close to home. I mentioned the whole trying to play for the Mariners thing. Conversations happened every single year. It was just so lukewarm and it was really disappointing. It, it really, really was. Um, and then there was always some like lip service given in the middle of the, like that year. I'm like, oh, like you know there will be a point when you're like i just don't want to like that happened a couple times uh i haven't actually this might be the first time you're the first one is gonna get the story strike three he turns it loose there's the o2 and got him and the a's get the sweep Welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. Been looking forward to this episode for a while as I have on the one and only Trevor May. Trevor announced his offseason that he is hanging up his cleats and instead grabbing his controller, his mic, and his camera and going full-time into content creation. Trevor just wrapped up a great nine-year MLB career as a relief pitcher with the Minnesota Twins, the New York Mets, and the Oakland Athletics. And in this conversation, we dive deep into the journey of his career and looking forward to connecting with him again to create more content as now that he's retired, he can once again become a Mariners fan. I'm excited to announce that I'm officially the newest Baseballism ambassador. Baseballism is the official lifestyle brand of baseball. Go check them out at baseballism.com and use code COUCHGM for 15% off your order. Really excited to join their team. I've been a big fan of their products for a while and especially you Mariners fans, go check out that iconic t-shirt of Griffey blowing a bubble or check out that Griffey hat that's behind me on the wall. And if you're thinking of buying, selling, or refinancing, make sure to reach out to myself as I am a mortgage lender during the day. Visit lenderconnorweb.com or reach out directly to the Couch GM to hit a home run with your mortgage financing needs. And with that, let's get into the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. A bit of a small world. I grew up down here in Ridgefield. You grew up in Kelso, Washington. And yeah. uh, I'd like to kind of start back with your childhood and growing up and how you got into baseball and, and found that love for the game. Yeah. Walk me through your time growing up. I know you're a Mariner fan watching the Mariners. So walk yep. me through that. Um, I, yeah, I grew up in Kelso, Washington. I was born in 1989. So, uh, like that 2001 Mariners team was when I was 12 and that's usually when the, uh, the baseball, uh, the love for baseball is blooming uh, amongst baseball kids. They're kind of making the de decision that they really like it or they really don't. I feel like um, it takes a lot to get to your to your uh, sixth grade year. So uh, I kind of had decided I was going to stick around, and then that this magical season happened, and it was just uh, it was like a perfect storm and stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, Richfield's like Richfield's like really close for for those of you that don't know. That's like you're like twenty twenty five minutes away where yeah. i grew up so we like that's pretty much the same town uh yeah. all those towns i feel like are just one big town uh so yeah that's i mean that's where it kind of not didn't start but uh that's where like the oh this is like i really invested all the investment came and then uh i believe at that time jamie moyer was on the yeah jamie moyer was on the team and uh my dad would always say like 
you know, I was 12, 13, 14, 15. And then when I was like 14, 15, he would be like, you throw harder than Jamie now. Um, you could play in the big leagues, which at the <laughs> time, like I knew Jamie didn't throw, like he wasn't a hard thrower, but I didn't know like that he was the softest thrower, but like seven miles an hour at the time. Right. So, uh, but that's enough to give you confidence. So that's kind of what watching the Mariners gave me, um, made that dream feel maybe real. And, uh, yeah, but you know, you got Ken Griffey Jr., you got A Rod, you got uh, Randy Johnson, Ichiro, um, Bay Bruner or Bay Bruner, Edgar, yeah, <laughs> Edgar J Buner, J Buner, uh, and then even like the Richie Sexton years, and uh, you know, uh, um, like that. That was uh, there's a lot of those those guys that I I loved watching Dan Wilson, like uh, John Allerud, like just I was a big like learn all their names and even learn the secondary players and stuff. So that's just very much how I am and my brain is. And I notice all these details and that has not changed since. Yeah. So uh, it started there though with those Mariners teams. And, uh, you know, I still, have, I've always had a soft spot, even, even coming here and playing here. Like I wanted to win in front of my uh, friends and family, but like I wasn't super upset if we didn't uh, kind of thing. Like yeah. uh, at the end of the day, uh, I have a, I'm going to be like, I'll be going to games all the time now up here. I uh, know that I live really close to the stadium with using the old go-kart and use a ton so i'm back to being a marriage fan even if i don't necessarily agree with some decisions that their gm makes all the time yeah i'd kind of like to get into eventually i mean their off season at some point you know it's been a tale of two halves for them but uh i mean going back to, to you and growing up so it sounds like you were like in the 80s at 14 years old with your fastball yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah i could uh I, I was always the hardest thrower um and you probably are aware of this but like you know kelso's a little bit of our like our local baseball hub right that's where all the fields are and all the tournaments are in kelso yeah. and or we even had better a lot better baseball you know facilities than longview did usually in longview is a bigger area for anyone who doesn't know which is probably just about everybody um so we have a there's like a rich baseball kind of tradition there and uh yeah so grew up uh there and i was the hardest thrower kind of in that in that area and then in southwest washington generally and then as i got older it just kind of became apparent especially like my junior senior in high school that like you know i was thrown against junior college teams and stuff for my travel ball team just dominating them and uh they're just like uh this kid's you know throwing low 90s in the in when you're a senior in high school is not not very well especially then now it's more common but still not that common in washington so we just don't have many guys throwing that hard because we can only play baseball for like three and a half four months a year so um this is not a hotbed so having a guy throw 90 in high school is is a if you got one in your league he's a guy you're worried about all the time and i was that guy yeah absolutely and then uh it looks like you signed a letter of intent to go play at u-dub so Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like you probably were recruited pretty early on, and that was a pretty straightforward process. You know, teams were going to watch you play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what was that experience like being able to commit to UW, uh, which might have been the team that you're also a fan of with college football and that type of thing, um, mm-hmm. and that process? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a little bit of dream come true again. Like, you know, where we're from, there's not a lot of. It's just there's not a lot of guys who go on to play even at the next level, let alone, you know, professionally. So just getting D1 uh, offers or getting those letters was super exciting to start. Mm -hmm. And then they just started flooding in. But I mean, a lot of that comes from like you go travel tournaments and you're just at places and they just get a list of everyone there and send send stuff. Um, I know that now. I didn't know that at the time. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I think I, I there was a point where, you know, in the spring of like my junior in high school, 
um, this is when I, I was already uh, pretty close to to because I'd gone to a between sophomore and junior summer ball summer. I went up to Washington. I was thinking I was throwing like 86, 87 at camp. And Ken Knutson at the time was was the head coach. Uh, and he's like, this kid, like, and I was kind of gangly and growing fast. You could tell, but I wasn't full grown. I was hard, throwing harder than everyone my age, like a lot harder. Uh, and so the interest was there immediately. Like he talked to me right after I threw my first inning or whatever. And, uh, we, I signed like, like a month later, like, because I didn't want to go that far from home. Um, Washington was, was, is my, like, that's my dad's call. He didn't go there. Um, but like as, as D one schools go, Washington was definitely his, he'd watch them more than Washington state. Uh, my sister oh, in my family, the only one who's gone to either school is my oldest sister. And she went to Washington state, but we're still a Washington family so she she uh she doesn't like she always says none of you went there and i'm like i skipped it okay you can't say i did live on campus for two years and my wife is like i met her there so i didn't not have the experience i have a lot of experience at university of washington i feel like i went there at least for a little bit um but yeah that was it was like an effort to stay close to home it was an effort to it pack 10 uh, pack 12 um was a conference still uh and it was it's a very good sports conference and actually originally stanford was was the school because of academics and um i i was always big on like i wanted to get straight a's and go to stanford um i was valedictorian because of that uh and then it turns out i didn't even like go i it, i got the opportunity to go play baseball at washington i was like oh i go to washington and then that kind of dream ended but i still wanted to be the valedictorian so uh that that kind of all kind of coalesced together and then uh, at the end of the day just none of it really mattered uh did it so right. um yeah kind of a crazy thing but yeah that's why we're we're, we're washington family uh, especially this past year was was a really really fun football season too to watch but um yeah made a lot of friends uh i think uh when i went on my first i went on my official visit i went and watched tim linscombe throw against brandon morrow uh which i think there was i think linscombe struck out 17 and morrow struck out 16 and they both threw complete games uh, and yeah. the game went to like the 11th. I've never seen so many stalker guns being raised every pitch. Um, I think there was like three hits until the extra innings, and then the Washington scored like four in the 11th, and they or they yeah they walked it off like a three run through and like a bases clearing something or a, a homer. I don't can't even remember. I just remember uh, Lindsay. But at that time, uh, Elliot Kribbe was was on the team, and now he's the pitching coach, uh, which is alarming uh, to me because that means I'm old. He's only a couple years older than me, so. Yeah, there we go. There's a little side side story for you. Yeah, that's awesome. My uh, my dad actually went to Kelso High School. My uncles, uh, he, my dad went to UW, and they've what? been huge huge UW football fans. You actually, this is okay. actually pretty. I got to know your like. I need to know your dad's name. I mean, yeah. I don't know so this is kind of crazy. You and your buddies would actually go over to my uncle's place for meals before football games. Sometimes he's a big dude, James Webb. Yeah, he's uh, he was the uh, was he he's like the line coach. He was one of the coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the big dude. No, I know James. I know. I know Webb. Uh, I mean, uh, my dad if, is you, if your dad lived in Kelso, like my family knows you. Like, it's just that's the way it is. We know everybody. Uh, everyone knows everybody. But yeah, I'm like, we're like fourth generation in the area, too. So um, that's crazy. That's Yeah. So it's small world. Kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but then, I live, yeah so, by the way, I live next door to Pat Himes, who was the head coach at the time. So they they do football okay. dinners there constantly too. I stopped playing when I was a freshman in high school, but like okay. I, the whole team would be over there. Like they they would rotate it. They, a coach had to had to be the be the guy every once in a while. But yeah, that's it's funny. We know the Heinzes really really well. So so yeah, I've I've talked to talked to Web Weber a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So then, yeah, as you mentioned, you you won valedictorian. You were the state 3A player of the year. You guys made it to the state championship. You got second place there. Did you guys play in T-Mobile Park or Safeco at the time? Yeah, it was like the second year they brought that back because it was in the uh, it was in Cheney before that. Okay. So my freshman year, I think they went, or when I was in eighth grade, they went and they played in Cheney. So. And then, did you know that you were going to be drafted pretty early on, or was it just like kind of like a you're full on UW at that point, and then it was just a, a surprise, or what, what was your expectation heading into the draft in 2008? Yeah, the 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 draft is is weird because um, you just kind of go off of like so you have like two teams, one or two teams that you usually know that are really high on you because you, you they've been to your house more than everybody else. It was the Cubs yeah. and the Phillies for me, and it turns out it like those two teams were pretty pretty in on me at the end too uh during the draft um so yeah like there was a point in the middle of the season uh, uh, my senior year where it was like maybe second round possibly like supplemental first maybe because i'm you know projectable at that time projectable was the thing now like uh, i don't know honestly the uh if i was the way i was then and it was done with like all this track man and stuff um actually i don't know i i it's interesting because I wasn't maximized even remotely close though. I think that I would have had, I known the, I would have known the information. My dad's been printing out Tom house, uh, like blog article, blog posts and articles since like 2002 and in a big two, uh, two inch three ring binder. So like, that's the way that we learned anyway. So if we had all the tools now, we would have, I would have had a track, man. We would have figured out a way to do it yeah. or like lease one or something. Um, but if we just went off how I was and just plunk, plop me in here i don't know if i would have been even they might have said go to college um because it, it just wasn't repeatable but i did have ride so and then no one knew what it was then uh so maybe i did get drafted I, I don't know but it was supposed to be uh you know first second round there was a game our district championship game we were undefeated we were like 20 20 and 0 or 19 and 0 going into the district championship game we were playing uh hudson's bay who we 10 run every single game we played them <laughs> And I stayed up till like two in the morning playing World of Warcraft uh, because we had, I had no hit them earlier in the year. Like I, it was fine. And my Velo was down like five miles an hour. Like I was just not, I was so tired. Um, I thought I was only going to throw a couple innings too. Like, and then it turned out like we needed me and we got 10 run. Uh, we got 10 run in our first out, our, our first loss of the year, which made us a second seed out of our league with one loss uh, or out of our, or, uh, our district, which actually worked out. Um, I think because I think the other side was a little harder. Uh, and then Hudson Bay got beat twice, and we're we're out. And we then we ten, then we ten run like the next three teams we played in the playoffs. So uh, it's one of those things. But yeah, my mom loves to loves to throw snarky little things up. Like, yeah, remember when you you dropped into the third to fifth round because of that at game? Because that was my scout day. Like that's what my my video oh, is. So okay. um, and I didn't know that. And I also don't. I still don't really. I mean, I don't remember what happened in that uh, that wow session but um i think i got something cool i think i got a cool piece of loot so i'll say it was worth <laughs> yeah. it it all yeah. shook out at the end but yeah she always was like yeah remember you, you know you, you missed out on you could have doubled your 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 bonus and i'm like yeah i could have but i refuse i just don't think that that's productive uh thinking about that so yeah kids don't play wow until two in the morning the night before you buy a district championship game uh, even if you're undefeated right I tend to be the same way, although it was, it was only the show and Call of Duty for sure, staying up way too late. But uh, yeah. so then you get drafted in the fourth round by the Phillies. Um, I, I guess what was that experience like getting the call? And then, you know, after you get that call, are you shipped off to Philadelphia to see the city or is that just first rounders and walk me through the, that first year, I guess? 
So I was the seventh player picked by the Phillies that year in the fourth. So they had like they had like a first supplemental, second supplemental, and a third supplemental. I don't think they only have first supplemental now, but they had supplementals between those three. So you could do uh, bonus picks there. So um, yeah, it was like you know uh, I'll throw some names at you. Uh, Anthony goes was ahead of me there. Um, Again, him Jason Knapp, who from Jersey was just through so hard. Jonathan Pettibone, uh, Vance Worley. Um, they all were picked with Zach Collier and Anthony Hewitt. Those are the, so yeah, those are the six that were picked before me. And I think uh, of those guys, I think me and Vance Worley have pretty close to the same amount of service time. I think I might, I might have a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I won, <laughs> but no, I wasn't one of those guys. Uh, they didn't bring me out to Philly until um. Until I won, I was the Paul or the, uh, the, I think Paul Owens award winner in 11. Mm-hmm. And then I yeah. went to like a game was in the booth picture of the year for the organization. Um, that was the, I think it was the first time I went there in a, like a capacity outside of like, I think we did a rookie. De- yeah. We did a rookie development thing too. Like a year before that, where we did like our little, we go up to Philly and we just like talk to the beat writers and how to like have media, media training a little bit, okay. which I failed. And I, I think I said ass in one of my uh, <laughs> interviews, um, but which is so funny now looking back. So yeah, not really. I I I, I knew I I did a lot of research in the guys that got picked before me. We're all six five. We're all right handed. Uh, we all throw low nineties, uh, and half the guys were from California. So I was like, Cali's. You know, I played I played against like the ABD Bulldogs, which was call your ghosts. Aaron Hicks and, and Garrett Cole all together yeah. um, twice in two different tournaments. And they just boat raced us both times. Um, we had a good team. We, we were a really good team out of Seattle, but they, they were just, I was our best pitcher and they were, they had Garrett Cole who's our 98 <laughs> as an 18 year old. So oh, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little different. Um, so I knew about them and I knew, knew, knew that I wasn't going to be probably the big priority, but I also knew that like, you know, you not nothing fourth round first guy out of the state, that was drafted that year. So yeah. even out of college. So like, you know, that means that doesn't mean nothing. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a shock though. I'll be honest with seeing all the guys being pretty much exactly the same as me. We got down to spring training for the first time. Yeah. So then, I mean, you, you spent five years in the minor leagues working through the system. Uh, you mentioned that you were one of the top prospects for the Phillies. You were the top prospect for the Phillies in 2011 heading into 2012. Um, and then you spent, you know, three years basically as a starter pitching over 130 innings each year. What, what, what were those experiences like throughout the minor leagues and pitching full seasons, you know, as a starting pitcher, did you know that you were going to be trending up um, at some point or was it just kind of going out there and doing what you can each day? Cause I mean, at the time the Phillies had Cole Hamels, Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee, oh, yeah. you know? So yeah. What, what yeah. was that experience? We're just hoping like, you know, to take Blanton or uh, Kyle Kendrick's spot mostly. Uh, yeah, it, it was, yeah, the big leagues were very much put on a pedestal in Philly that year. Then they win the World Series the first year I'm there. So, like, <laughs> we're dealing with that. Um, but, like, the big reason they drafted me is actually because Pat Gillick is from up here. Uh, and he was a GM at the time. So, he got to see me a lot. And his, like, right-hand pitching guy, Charlie Kerfeld, also lives in Seattle. So, like, they they both got just a bun- bunch of time with me. So, I feel like I got a little bit of a local bias from them, uh, which I'll take. Uh, you can yeah. get take it where you can get it. Um, so, but yeah, it, going through the minors five, first of all, five years is just unheard of. Even high school kids are like, if you're good, if you're like, if they see you as part of their big league team, you're, you're up in three, if you're ready or you're not ready, like you're going to learn some stuff up there. There's just certain amounts of certain things you need to learn at the big league level. 
uh, that you can't learn anymore in the minors. So, right. um, you know, I, I had I had a quite the roller coaster, and and I know that um, a lot of it has to do with this, me like making things bigger in my own head than they are. That's just something I've always done dealt with. You know, I, the anxiety stuff's all public now and all kind of stuff. So it, it was very much there, and that 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 it was going to be a slower road for me no matter what. Um, I was going to have to make big changes regularly and it took a while to learn how to do that but once i did um it sped up really like in 2013 right at the end of 2013 something clicked and then taken into 14 14 i was just like nails and just big leaks so like um after never really being good at double a so yeah it was definitely like a, i'm gonna play a full year at this level so let's just do our best and let's let's uh honestly like you know it's like let's go play just good enough to miss the playoffs by half a game like that's basically <laughs> what it is in the minors because the playoffs is like you don't get paid anymore and you just play for an extra year you're, you're, you have to play baseball for an extra 10 days which sucks because <laughs> it's been a long year so yeah. my goal was always just throw as many innings as i could and stay healthy and i did that really well in the minors i think i threw um 150 something innings like three times which an another thing that's just unheard of i have 900 minor league innings like yeah that doesn't exist career. It's a whole career that doesn't exist. We like Mason Miller came up last year with the uh, with the A's. He had twenty seven two thirds innings in the minors. Man, he'd been hurt, so he's electric. Let's yeah. be. I'm going to be very clear. The guess. kid can pitch in the big leagues, but I'm like, dude, you have not done. I, I pitched more innings in my rookie year in rookie ball when they're super limiting. After I just played a, a high school season, I threw seventy innings in high school. So <laughs> it's I was always a workhorse. That was the point. Um, and uh, but that's just not. I missed, I was early. I was early. Um, I think I would have had, I would have, people, they would have liked me a lot more as a starter, I think now than they, yeah. than they did at the time for sure. And so it sounds like you made some adjustments in double A that made the difference and, and allowed you to take that jump the next year. It wasn't necessarily like an opportunity opening up. It was more so, or it was it a combination of both to where you uh, learned, a little combination. Yep. Yeah. They, so you can, they can move you all the way. It's like triple A's where you're going to get stuck. If there's people above you, it's like, it's it's it really is because they can shift they can shift things around where you're like you're not necessarily competing directly against a guy at one level above you or he needs to go before you can go that's not really how the miners work uh you could be on the same team you could like overlap because there's other spots especially when you're starting pitcher so it's not so much like that as it is for like a position player like a, i'm a third baseman you have to have the third baseman vacate for yeah. you to get there um so that's why guys switch positions all the time to get opportunities and yeah it's you know they were really good um, but as we got really close, like R the Ruben tomorrow era kind of was getting towards its end where, you know, he was kind of just making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Um, and the team was getting going uh, less far into the playoffs every year until eventually they got knocked out and he got fired. Uh, and I was like one of his last trades. So and he also traded all my teammates. So I, I just like saw that coming too. So I don't know, you have this underlying like, you know, I'm a big leaguer. I'm going to pitch at the big league level. It's just a matter of when. And uh, the opportunity does have to be there. So there is a, there's a lot of that. And when you're with a team like that, you try to hold on to that glory of like having that big core of all those big stars, like the Jimmy Rollins and the Ryan Howards. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of slow to move on. And that's that kind of happened to them a little bit, I think, uh, at least in the pitching side. I, I think those the core of hitters and stuff was, you know, they were good the whole time until, you know, Worth left and and stuff and uh so but then the pitching side yeah it was like there just wasn't a lot of opportunity so there's part of part of me being excited about being traded because maybe there's more opportunity at the other place yeah absolutely and then i i just watched your uh video recently of you watching back your mlb debut in august 2014 in oakland yes. 
yeah, I mean, a little bit of a rough outing there, but walk me through that first year and your first experience, you know, you, you walk out into, onto a big league field for the first time in that first year. What was that experience like? Uh, yeah, crazy. So fun. And like really, really, um, surreal. Like I, I, place they put you up in in minnesota is like you look out your window you can see the stadium it's like really close you can see into the stadium and uh so i just constantly be like like whoa i'm gonna be out there um and then you know oakland coliseum's massive and they, their fans are pretty pretty rabid um which is why i wanted to go there which in the best in the best uh way possible rabid fans and the team was really good they had josh johnson they were going to be a playoff team um they just traded for smarja who i started against uh so Thank God there was no Cespedes anymore. I think that my debut would have been been even worse. Um, but you know, I won't trade it for a world. I think it's a great story now. Uh, I think I learned a lot, and I never pitched that bad again. That was the worst outing of my career, and it was my first one. That's that's ideal. That means you got yep. better the whole time. So yeah, that first year was like team was out of it. There wasn't a lot of like I'll be honest, very very laid back uh, group of veterans, like very laid back. Um, you know, uh, Willingham. Uh, Pelfrey, you know, like Kevin Correa, Ricky Nolat, like these guys are just like playing golden tea in the in the locker room and just playing catch and like going out and doing what doing what they do. Like it wasn't, you know, Glenn Perkins, like he's just chilling. Phil Hughes chilling. Like they're all just. I think Phil actually came the next year, but uh, everyone's just chilling. So um, there wasn't a lot of like, you know, light a fire under the rookie. It was more like you shut up, rookie. So I did. <laughs> And uh, it's hard to kind of get comfortable in a situation that way. Um, but I think that they warmed up to me in 15. Not that they were like cold. It was just like, you know, they're not going to make a big effort because that's just not what you do. You, that's part of like the tradition of it. So I kind of had to work through things. I had to like make the, make things matter, like in terms in a scope of like the games really mattering because we were out of it. We're 20 games under 500. No one else in our vision except for you know, the Tigers and the Royals were even really that competitive. So like I, I had to like create this. It was a big deal to me because it's the big leagues. You have to kind of create this like this game matters to my career, even though it doesn't matter in the right. scope of things. And no one else seems to care. Not that they don't care. Not just there, there's no no one else seems to have a huge sense of urgency at the moment, because why would they? It's towards the end of the year. They already right. being paid. They're all older. Like, it's just the way it is. So uh, I tried to I had to do that kind of find ways to do that. Um and it took me a while. It took me seven or eight outings before I was like, you got to get through, like, we got to get through five and start, like, noticing when things are flipping on you and then this sticking with the course. And uh, there's, an, there's an outing I've talked about. I think I talked about it in that video, uh, maybe, possibly. I don't know. But it, I've talked about it before. There was an outing against the White Sox and matched up with Sale. And we hung we hung some runs on, on him uh, early, like four runs in the second inning or something, and we had a lead. So... I started to kind of get in trouble in the third and the fourth because, you know, and the guy started scoring. It was 4-2. And there was a conversation that happened with me, Trevor Plouffe, and the pitching coach, uh, uh, Anderson, who's also from up here. Um, and uh, we just had to find a way to get through it and, like, buckle down. Just, like, go somewhere else. Go somewhere go somewhere deeper that's a little bit more competitive here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that place, and then I used that place for the rest of my career. So that's when things changed. I think it threw six innings that day, struck out 10, 10 strikeout game in the big leagues is a big deal, especially right. now. It's a big, it doesn't happen that much anymore. So I'm glad I have one of those. And then I think my last outing was against the Tigers and I threw out like eight and six innings. We didn't win, but you know, quality start, six innings, three runs, 
and that lineup was insane. Like they were really, really good that year, and they went really deep and they went to the World Series. So, uh, or no, no, sorry, they got to beat uh, twelve. They went to World Series, but you know, Royals did. So we had a good division doing against those teams. Big deal. So that was kind of a took that in the off season, and then got ready for my sophomore year, which went way better. Yeah. So and then 2015, you started 16 games. Um, you pitched in 48 games total that year. So at some point, you made a transition to the bullpen. And yeah. yes. what was um, who made that decision? You know, um, and what was that experience like? Urban Santana was on an 80 game suspension for uh, PEDs. He was coming back like right after the All Star break, or right bef- maybe right before the All Star break. And at the time, it was um, in the rotation because we had some injuries. In Alaska, the reason I got up in Alaska got hurt like the second day of the season. And, uh, you know, it was like a weird ankle ligament thing. So we had no idea when he was coming back. So at the time, it was me, Mike Pelfrey. There's two spots for me, Mike Pelfrey, and Tommy Malone. So at the time, Tommy was throwing really, really well. Like, he'd given up like three runs his last like 40, like something great like he like five straight outings of of seven innings and two runs or less like really good change was good not walking anybody uh looked like a pro but you know he's tommy you know you you're well acquainted i'm sure he's had a couple stints with the uh, mariners now rainier hall of fame. Hard, yeah rainier hall oh yeah he's he's a triple a cy young award winner that guy was because when they sent him down because he was with the uh twins at the time when he was in triple a that year because he was he was throwing eight shot eight every day Every time he pitched, wow. he just owns those leagues because of his changeup. Like he's yeah. such guys with command like that just are so good in AAA. So um, his command was impeccable. He's a really good friend of mine too. So like, uh, um, you know, I was happy he was up there too. And I was, I can't argue with you. Like he deserves. So one of those was going to be him. So it's down to be me and Pelf. Pelf was throwing well, fairly well too. He was having a good bounce back year. But he had been struggling a little bit lately, but he was making, you know, 9 million, 10 million a year. And uh, it takes him literally an hour to warm up. So they're like, we can't, we, we can't put Pelfrey in the bullpen. So basically he called me in. Paul Mahler was like, hey, we can't put Pelfrey in the pen. And Tommy's throwing really well. And also Tommy doesn't really profile. These guys are long relief guys. We think that you yeah. might be able to do something a little bit more active. And I'm like, okay. So I'm hearing I'm not going to the minors, which is all I wanted to hear. You could have said, hey, we're going to keep you on as a clubhouse staff. And just like <laughs> if there's a spotlight, I would have been like, okay. I don't care. I'm not going. I just don't send me to Rochester. So I got to go to the pen. Uh, Glenn Perkins got hurt like immediately. So Kevin Jepson was, became the closer. Um, Casey Fien was setting up at the time. Uh, I think Casey had something go on or like struggled a little bit. And uh, I added like three or four miles an hour to the velo. So I was throwing, you know, 92, 93 as a starter. And then suddenly I'm throwing 95, 97. And they're like, do you want to set up? And then by the end of the year, I was setting up with, 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 Jet and we were close to playoff team. We were 83 wins or something that year, 84. So we were just, we got eliminated like three days left in the season. Um, so yeah, things were going well and they used me in that role and I finished the year strong. And I think that I'm, I'm actually very certain that that year, the two guys, me and Adam Warren, both did for the first time ever in the history of baseball 15 starts plus and 30 plus out of the pen in a, in a regular season. And then uh, in 2017, we both had Tommy John. So that's probably related. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm in the record books for that, even though it's a very obscure one and you won't find it anywhere, but I know. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a cool stat. Um, yeah. I mean, and then 2016, it leads to, you know, you end your season with a stretch fracture in your back. And then 2017, you have a, a tear in your UCL. So do you think that was correlated with that transition back and forth? 
to both of those injuries. Yeah, a little bit. Um, also, you got to learn like the routines are just completely different. Like, how do yeah. you save energy and how do you maintain your body as a reliever? So I had to learn that. Um, it wasn't hard for me to pick up. I think preparing mentally to pitch. I liked that part. Um, but yeah, learning learning how to keep myself um, healthy as uh, every day was 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 the goal that off season and coming back it was like i did a i did some i did a pilates routine and like uh so my back felt better coming after 16 yeah that was a long that was a really kind of weird situation where it kept getting misdiagnosed uh, i had to kind of go search for my own like a bone specialist and then mm -hmm. a stress reaction is like something you can't catch without a without a bone scan like you have to get yeah. a bone scan and that's just not something that, that baseball normally does i literally had to do it also in new york with my stress reaction in my arm um i'd be like guys bone scan seen this movie and then we did it and it was bad so um i'm glad that i had the back thing or I wouldn't have found the arm thing and i might have really really hurt myself so yeah they were correlated tommy john was a freak thing came right like it just completely evolved just came off the, the bone clean like a yeah like a seam of a shirt. So like my doctor, Dr. Uh, Keith Meister, who's the man uh, who I think does the best job in the, in the business now. He, uh, he was like, yeah, I just put it back on and then put your other one. Like, cause you get a, another ligament out of your body and put on, and you put the other one on top. So he's like, if you tear that again, I don't know what to tell you. Isn't that kind of best uh, case having it be a clean tear? Yeah, that's the best. Um, yeah, best yeah. case is like clean, like, cause you get in there and you don't know fully until you see it. Um, and he said, there's no, he, up in that point, he's like, that was, it was like rolled, it was almost like, he's like, it was like rolled up like a nice piece of newspaper or a uh, magazine. It took like one minute to get it in position. And sometimes it's like kind of messy. And mine was the opposite. It was as clean as it could be. So, which tells me, I, I just threw a pitch weird, yeah. like just one time, whatever. I, maybe I wasn't as in shape as I need to be long toss wise because of my back. And I was still kind of like iffy and trying to make sure it's okay. So I can be healthy. Yeah um that could have been it we don't know but um it, it seems like a freak thing and i've had zero issues with my elbow since and none before so it's just a weird weird thing but yeah i think that the the constant flip-flopping was was not the best for uh learning as a young guy how to stay healthy for 162 games yeah and then on the same uh time frame 2016 you started streaming on twitch 2017 it looks like you signed with a canadian professional esports organization mm -hmm. so yeah, walk me through how you got initially into wanting to get into streaming, creating content. So I've always been like like this kind of stuff. Um, I think that you know I'm a little older than Advent of YouTube. Um, like you know, uh, 2005, six, seven. It was early, and we used it a lot. The kids did, but you know, there was no like we didn't even iPhones didn't exist. Like right. there's no way to watch on your phone. So like it wasn't near as big. And so it was very much like a, like a, like a blog. I didn't have time at school and whatever, but had I, if I were that age right now, 100% would be a YouTuber thousand percent. Um, because I've just, I did all the, I did all the skits in high school, all the class competitions. I was class president. Like I liked putting on like events and shows and like I could have been a theater kid if I wasn't in sports. Hundred percent, I would try to acting. Like it was just something I liked. I, I've always loved movies. I've always loved TV. Um, I like stand-up comedy. There's, I've dabbled in everything improv. So it just makes sense. And then I had that injury. Um, I wasn't traveling with the team. Couldn't really figure out what was going on. Overwatch had just been released. I always had my PS4 with me to take it on the road sometimes. So I was like, I'll play Overwatch. I liked it a lot. Realized very quickly that PC was the way to go. 
I, I've always been a PC gamer, honestly. PS4 was kind of weird. It was just portable. So I went and bought a laptop at Best Buy and Alienware um, yeah. and then started streaming. And then I, I met Tim the Tatman, who was very similar to me in, in, in like personality and, and humor and, and all kinds of stuff. And we're the same age. Uh, and so I was like, just a lot there. And he likes sports. So um, I was one of the early athletes on the platform. So I, there was a way to grow and like I could use the, Hey, I'm a major league player as a in for a lot of things. And I'm not shy that that happened. I did that yeah. on purpose uh, because why wouldn't you? And, uh, and made some connections that way and like made connected with people like on a human level. And then, yeah, just made the friends and we just kept playing and playing and then Fortnite happened. And that's when, um, honestly, I couldn't play with Tim overwatch. He was just higher ranked. And to be honest, he was getting carried to top 500 and, so I, I there was no spot for me because I'm not even as good as he is. So like yeah. you had to be better than Tim to play with him. That was the way the game played. The game yeah. was. And so finally Fortnite came out and it didn't really matter. And there was the ranks didn't matter. You could play with it, whatever. And it was all about just joking around and you know, winning's great, but doing funny stuff. And I think right. he, I think they all realized that I had that, you know, in the real time visceral reaction thing going on. So uh sure. I got I just made the friends and now they've all become lifelong friends. Like I talk to him and hang out with all these people extreme Dr. disrespect so, uh doc doc is not someone that i've spoken to a lot i played with him a couple times same with mercs uh like twice maybe i think once once or twice just because they're very meeting new people like they're not they're not meeting new people often yeah they got their they got their crews and uh like nick takes things very seriously he jokes around a lot but he like he do play the game the right way and so there's not a lot of patience there and then doc's like just he tries to keep a layer of separation between him and everyone but the people he's really comfortable with. So yeah. I, if, if you haven't noticed, if anyone's watched Doc recently, there's very few new people he's played with in the last three years. Like nobody's new. It's all people he already knows. Uh, and, you know, I'll chalk it up to that. But it's weird because both those guys like sports a lot. I thought I'd be I thought I would have a I thought it would land even better with them. But yeah, uh, I, I, think, I think I'm under the I think I think what's really happening is they don't really consider baseball a sport. <laughs> um, you know, it's they're, not, it's they're not MMA football. football or basketball. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have yeah. did that, I guess. So uh, have you played in like esports tournaments and all that stuff? Are you still doing that stuff? The tournaments? Uh, yeah. I mean, I played in some stuff. I played in some uh, Twitch rivals. I've done some, I uh, did a couple, I did a Fortnite tournament land once, um, which did not go well because I didn't bring my own peripherals and uh, things with, I don't know if you play much, uh, PC gaming, but um, if you do, people know about like how dialed in desk height, keyboard, monitor height, all the stuff that like, changes when you're li- different angles and stuff. It could throw everything off little a little bit, and like you're just you went from good to terrible. Um, or if you're not used to the frame rate or whatever, if it's slower yeah, right. or faster, like your reaction speeds are are tailored to what you have, and that's the nice thing about controllers is like you just plug it in and make a couple adjustments, and it's the same everywhere. Uh, so. That was something that I was like, oh my God, I didn't even plan for any of this. I just was whatever. So I barely did anything. But um, I've done some tournaments myself. I've done some commentating myself. I've gone to a few live events. I went to like a couple Overwatch World Cups, which was so intense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, it was it was a good time, especially when it's like the countries. Oh, it's it was really, really cool. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I tried to make a foray into that, doing some analytics, tried to start a company. Uh, but, you know, very clearly became became clear to me very fast that there's no way i'm going to be able to build or run a company when i'm playing baseball it's just not going to happen 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, 162 games, you're playing six months out of the year. Yeah, to, yep. to try to add anything on top of that. No chance. Um, uh, getting back into baseball. So, you know, 2019, 2020 happened. You're still with the Twins. If you want to walk through some of the, what those experiences with those years were like. And then after 2020, you end up, you know, wanting to sign with the, uh, the Mets. So, you know, why the Mets? What was that process like? Yeah. Um, 19 was one of the most fun years I've ever played baseball, watching all the homers. Um, but the, I think 19 was the first year where I started to see like how, how the league was going to progress with like what, how they were going to shape it to be the way they wanted it to be with how Rob was going to go about that. And uh, that's when I started to get really, really start to notice all the little like shady half truths and dishonest things and things that were like, uh, we didn't know about that. So like the ball, it started with the juice balls and the lies about yeah. that. And then, then of course, two years later, they're like, actually they were juiced. Yeah, we know. We told you that. Um, told you that and you lied to us and now you're cool. Now it's fine because you're telling us. Okay. So that's the first thing that happened. And then uh, next year is the COVID thing. And then we're having conversation. We're, we're like, we're having this public d debate about, you know, how many games can we come back? How we can, and it just turns out that the guy was going to make it 60 no matter what we did. So it's like, it just, yeah. So I got very jaded uh, yeah. there and then I started to be more active. Um, so that was a weird year from that standpoint, just like, what are we doing? And then secondly, um, yeah, it was, it was an odd year because the shortened season, but like I, I streamed constantly when we were waiting for the season to start and stuff. So like it wasn't all bad, but yeah, it was weird. I was in Minnesota the whole time waiting um, because they didn't want me to fly back here because it was a hotbed at the time when it first broke. That's what they call it called it a hotbed just right. anywhere that that had a lot of like uh traffic from asia it. basically yeah like san yeah. francisco was too the whole west coast was so <laughs> they were like we don't think we want you we, we don't know if it's you know we don't want you to go take the chance i'm like well okay i'll, I'll go up we have an apartment so hung out there and then then i signed with the mets after that so had a good year though um the no fans mm -hmm. was weird but it was also wasn't that hard to get used to um it just felt like it went by really fast i mean it was two months so it goes by super duper fast especially when you're only in your own division so uh, you're not really traveling very much so but yeah yeah it was a good year and then uh going to new york that behind that process going to free agency is weird you get calls like in the first week that they can happen and everyone's just feeling feelers 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 we heard from like 15 teams like hey so what, what are you guys looking for and then uh but it was after the covid so there was a lot of like oh we don't know how much money we're gonna have because everyone didn't make as much money as they wanted to make yeah. so uh, I had to deal with that. I knew two-year deal was the only thing in, uh, on the table, really, because maximum, because Liam Hendricks was the only one going to sign a multi, uh, a real one, and everyone else signed ones. So uh, I knew that going in. And then the Mets just came in hot. Like we said, a number. They came in above that number. They were the only team to go above that number. Everyone else gave the basic one, and we started there. And then we tried to get people betting against each other, namely the Mariners. I really wanted to go to the Mariners. I, yeah. I he, My agent was like, probably not gonna happen You're too expensive <laughs> they, they just they don't sign relievers which has been very clear um but it's turning into nobody signs relievers now so i am glad that at least i i got in before it it's kind of dried up um almost unless you you're the angels for some reason uh no one signs any relievers to multi-year multi deals um so it was crazy it happened on thanksgiving uh they called the day before thanksgiving and we just went and it was terrifying because new york's a big big thing big, like a bigger than life you hear stories right which a lot of them are true uh but not in the way that you think they are 
uh, but it is a unique beast. So I, I didn't know. I didn't know if that's something that I truly, truly wanted. But um, then I saw it as an opportunity. So decided to go there. Um, they got a new owner. They got a lot of stuff to be excited about. And then you know, getting Lindor, getting like they did a bunch of cool stuff. That was like, okay, I want to be part of this. And also, it's not going to all be on me. That was one big. I'm like, if I'm the big sign for a team, yeah, like. <laughs> So like I was okay with that too. Like the you know you don't want all the you don't want it all to be on you whether you lose or or not going into a season. That's just not that's not I'm just that's not the type of player or person that I am. Um, though I do want to be part of the, the the crew that does get the job done. You know, being a being a you know being a star that's going to be a multi year all star whatever just probably was in the cards because it wasn't a closer. So I was just trying to be there and, and contributing without being in the spotlight all the time. And that was, that was uh, probably my best solution there. Um, and I, I, I loved, I liked it there a lot. I liked the, I love the organization. I love all the people who work there. Um, you know, I, I think they're on the up and up and, uh, but yeah, it's crazy. It happens fast too. Last year. Also, I had a, I had an offer that happened quick, ha- happened so fast that I had to be like, yeah, I got to back away. I got to backing away. I said, I, my agent, I kind of left him out to dry. He was, I kind of backed away without telling him. I was like, "Hey, man, I got to back away." And he's like, "Hey, you got to tell me that earlier, so I don't just ghost the team." Uh, so because you're hurting my, you know, my relationship. He didn't say those words, but I know that's what I did. Uh, so I learned my lesson, and I said, "Hey, I need to take some time." I was holding out for the Mariners, and I think we all know how that played out. Yeah, um, yeah. You playing with the Mets? You got Edwin Diaz closing it out in t- 22. Um, yeah. What was it playing? What was it like playing for the Mets? You know, being in the bullpen with some of those guys that team was solid as a whole. And then, yeah, if you do want to get into last off season, I know you did want to play for the Mariners to play for your hometown team. Walk me through that process. And, you know, you end up signing with Oakland uh, in one of your videos. You mentioned that it's mainly to try to stay close to home because you've always been spring training in Florida away from your family, all all those things. So yeah, walk me through those couple of years in, in with the Mets and then moving into this prior off season. Yeah, the uh, couple years of the Mets. Uh, that's your fir- that's your first free agent contract. You want to like you basically when you get to the big leagues, you just point towards you know where is my best opportunity to make the most money that I'm going to make in my career. Get, let me get there. How am I going to get there? I'm a reliever. Extension's not going to happen. It's just especially the Twins. They're not going to extend a reliever. They're going to extend one guy every couple years um, who is a position player, and that's just you know financially that makes more sense. I understand. Yeah. I, there's no hard feelings at all. I just I. I wish that I was a starter kind of because that might get you extended. But at the same time, like I also loved relieving. So just what came along with it. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I went there, um, uh, you know, made the most money I'd made. I made more than I made my whole career. I tripled my my career earnings in the first year because <laughs> I didn't make any money. I made like four and a half million dollars my first six years, which is a lot of money generally. But yeah. If you don't average one million dollars a year for your first six years, like that's yeah. really low because now the the minimum wage is seven eighty, so it's like right. it's almost hard to do. Um, and it just so happened to be that way. So I I, I got a good deal. I, I maximized that. I got some of my incentives too, which which I'm proud of. Um, so it, it was it was a quite the ride though. Learned a lot about you know what it takes to be successful and what like not being successful looks like in New York. Um, with that 77, 85 season, 21, which I thought we were a good team. I thought like a, a lot of guys put up good years too. Sugar, mm-hmm. Sugar had a really good year that year, a solid year. It's just our ERAs were like low threes and everyone's like, oh, that's terrible. It's not. 
Uh, it's yeah. really not. Uh, and the, the balls were still kind of the balls were like, are these juice? It was like half and half. We I mean, you're tell. playing in New York. Those are primetime games. They're probably going to be New York primetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're Sunday night baseball every freaking week. Like we yeah. never had a day game getaway day anywhere. Like it was always traveling across the country. It was all, there's just a lot that comes along with it. And then, the you know, the media, there's 50 people in there. Five of them are, aren't interested in truth or anything. They're interested in getting people to read their New York Post article. Yeah, I know. I just called them out. But like, yeah, those so there's some guys that you just have to be aware of. They're right. going to take what you say out of as much context as possible in order to get themselves, you know, the clicks. And uh, so there's people who are just have no shame about it. Most of them were awesome. I really liked yeah. seeing them. There was just a couple that weren't. And that wasn't the case. And that's not the case really anywhere, but like the big four, Boston, uh, New York, both New York teams and like Philly. Like other than that, though, everyone LA? else is even L.A. L.A.'s laid back. OK, they really are like they, you know, you can do no wrong. Like in terms of the media, they're just not. So the East Coast it's just, mainly, it's any it's a Northeast like thing. Yeah. It's just, but you know they'll they'll yeah. own it. They'll be like that's very much our personality, just blunt, bold, loud. You know, uh, sometimes obnoxious. Like they and they they lean into it. That's just what like this. Yeah. If you want something, just you know, say it and get it. Like, and I can respect that too. You just you, you just kind of avoid them sometimes. That's just and so you had you to get. Have your guard I, I imagine as a player, yeah. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's like it takes a lot of effort. And sometimes you're just like, I'm tired, man. Sorry, I suck. My bad. Uh, but I remember I struggled my first outing. And that's, I came in with that mindset. Like, I do not want to talk to you guys today. And I didn't think it would be this soon. And I'm embarrassed. And as soon as I did that, I think people are like, oh, whoa. Okay. He, okay. He, he gets how we're feeling. He yeah. gets how we're feeling. Of course I do. I'm playing. But um, so I had to, de- I had to learn. I had to learn a little bit on like, how to manage uh feeling like you're you're being you know people don't like you um and everyone wants to be liked i realized that i like to be liked a lot maybe more than other people sometimes so yeah it was a learning experience but i don't regret one moment of it um and i have nothing but fond fond memories of everyone i interacted with in person every single person i didn't have any weird anything uh people were very very like the people who were die hard were die hard and they loved to talk to you and uh even with the heckling and the booing and whatever that happens sometimes like it was always i don't know kind of like it was it never felt super personal so that's they do yeah that was it was good about that but i had to learn what that was and that was on me so there were difficult times i'm not gonna lie um there were times where i really really hated what was going on I, but then i realized that that was a lot of inside of here and not really real so once i realized that things got much better it was easy to buy into um, and then going to going to Oakland, I wanted to stay close to home. I mentioned the whole trying to play for the Mariners thing. Conversations happened every single year. It was just so lukewarm, and it was really disappointing. It it really, really was. Um, and then there was always some like lip service given in the middle of the, like that year. I'm like, oh, like you know, there will be a point when you're like, I just don't want to hear. Like that happened a couple of times. Some people during the season, who, yeah. Oh, just like just rumblings, you know, conversations your agent has with people or whatever. Like people say office, little things yeah. like, we really like that guy. Yeah, and then nothing happens when the time comes. Uh, that got old quick. Um, but that's, you know, that's when I, that's kind of the one of the last pieces that stacked on when I before I went on the rant with uh, about ownership. Um, there's a lot of like shoulder shrugging and like passing off blame some to some, you know, uh, myth like mysterious other person all the time 
a lot of people saying, well, I don't know. I can't do anything. It's guys about like who I can't tell you. So, uh, that is, I think that's in every company everywhere, but that just, that just like graded on me, graded, graded me down to a nub. Um, so I, uh, I just kind of took, took it and tried this last year. And, uh, uh, just took took that energy with me to the to the A's because I knew it was out coming to an end, and uh, that was just I felt free, for real, um, playing for this team, and I had such a good time. Uh, and big shout out to like, you know, Katze and all the staff, like just doing their best, like really, really, really like feeling what we're feeling and being being with us, um, and uh, you know, feeling for David Forrest and and the the executives that like i don't know for certain but that i don't think have that much communication with with the people above them for whatever reason so i can imagine how hard it is to do your job effectively so uh shout out to them for doing it and uh all the fans it's like i love the coliseum even though there's duct tape everywhere and like some of the stairs are duct taped it's just part of it and it's harmless there's a it's a lot of like stuff that's really not a big deal at all it's just it it when you look when you notice all of it you're like wow like this it's like we're in a broken down warehouse but like <laughs> it doesn't really affect you that much uh there's a few things that like they don't have that other teams have in terms of equipment or in terms of space yeah. um but it, it, i just was like yeah it's a little annoying but is it easy to work around it really is uh i'm not dependent on any of these things you got the basics so uh, I loved it. I love those guys. I love everyone who works at the park. I love all the security guards. Shout out to the security guard crew. You know, at the Coliseum, there's about 500 of them. And <laughs> they've all been there for like three decades. And they're just doing, doing, the, doing, the, doing God's work. And, uh, yeah. you know, I wish I could give them their donuts because I used to bring them donuts uh, that I made. So I'm going to yeah. miss doing that this year. But uh, hopefully, maybe I can get down, sneak into a game if they'll let me in. There you go. And uh, give him some donuts. I don't know. And then how fitting was it that you closed out the reverse boycott game? Yeah, that just lined up, to be honest. At that time, we had discussed. So it's so funny. Uh, uh, I haven't actually, this might be the first time. You're the first one who's going to get the story. There we go. So I actually had a conversation with Katze. So I said, I had a thing going. So I had the anxiety thing. So I had some real conversations with him. Like, hey, like in, in the in games, like, I need to I need to make some adjustments here and it's going to be easier for me if I can count on like uh, a role that is a little bit not so rigid at the back end of the pen just for just for a cup like just let me let me get you let me see if this these things I'm doing for the clock because the clock was bothering me um, a lot Uh, see if these things I'm doing are going to work well and I threw once in the at the Mariners. And then the next time I came in, it was in like leverage after JP Sears just threw five innings kind of for 59 pitches. And we were like, I'm like, oh, well, now we have a one run lead and I'm in leverage again immediately. So like I got one outing and then I'm back into leverage and I went out and I hit a couple guys, I think. Or no, no, no. I hit the guys the first time. And then I gave the I gave a homer to Ty France to tie the game. And then I shoved. So I, something that that something flipped. And then yeah. that's when I realized the clock. I figured out a way to to deal with the clock and and go to that place really quickly that I learned in 2014, um, and that was like I felt empowered. Like that's when I felt clicking happening. And then I said, "Hey," I go, and he goes, "Hey." He called me in the office. He goes, "Hey, I know I threw you in leverage." He goes, "But I got to be honest. I don't. We don't really have like you have 
we have the best chance to win games when you when you're throwing in these like it's just the way that like i have to try to win the game and like and i'm like you know what i can do it you know what if i struggle i struggle and we'll all but i will figure it out eventually and i said that and uh um then we get home we have the first game against tampa we win by a a, a good amount and then he goes he, he says something to me he goes offhand he goes he goes, what do you, like, if, if the situation comes up, we close. I'm like, let's just do it. Like, I'm just tired of, like, worrying about this. Let's just do it. Yeah. He goes, all right, Matt Knight, 2-1. The best team in the league at the time who had just destroyed us at their place. Um, but we're on a six-game win. It just it was just, like, perfect storm. Six-game winning streak. Uh, like we, like, we're doubling our wins at this time. <laughs> I think we at the beginning of that, we were 12-50. and 50. So oh, we end word. that streak at. 19 and 50 so like we're riding high and we're still 31 games under 570 games a season <laughs> so uh it was one of those like we're so bad that you can't get worse and then so that that kind of like i think feel like something flipped where guys were like you know what like what's the worst like what's the worst that could happen you lose well that's already happening so at least we can get better and while we're losing so that when we do start winning we can sustain it and it's not just happening yeah. so yeah so he was like do you want to close like that day and then I think from that point on, after that save, it was like, you're the closer. And it just happened. Um, Zach Jackson was also hurt at the time, who is probably going to close from this year, him or Danny Jimenez, uh, for those of you fantasy players. Um, and, you know, Zach is, he's going to pitch five days a week. Uh, he's just, that's the way he's going to be used. So, like, yeah, he, if he were there too, maybe it would have been slower to get back in there so but there was like he was hurt and danny jimenez was hurt too so the two guys they'd been using were both hurt so we didn't really have one we were closing by committee we're just whoever who any anyone who can get outs um and at that time it was kind of just i'm the one who had gotten outs before even though i hadn't gotten outs really lately i had the track record so they're like you're the highest paper on the team too so you got to go out and close <laughs> and uh i just said okay and then you know 21 saves later it, it was it was i don't that's just i don't know something Something flipped, like I said, and it, it just started happening. So, but that game, that one and the other one, the second one, I got to say, get the same both. Just two of the best uh, memories I'll have of my of my playing career for sure. Awesome. Well, Trevor, I really appreciate your time. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, got to have you on again sometime. I, a lot more to cover. Um, but congratulations on your career, your retirement. Looking forward to seeing what you do on YouTube and social media, and then also with your media role that you have in baseball too. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime. Strike three. He turns it loose. Here's the 0-2. And got him. And the A's get the sweep.